There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Your brain is your best ally. The only reason why it keeps making those noises in your head is because you're not listening. Okay? And if you actually listen and if you actually uh, show interest and debate the authenticity of those thoughts and agree on certain thoughts that they are important and put down actions uh, that you can behind those thoughts, your brain will never bring them up again. You're listening to the Alonement Podcast, hosted by me, Francesca Spector author of Alonement, How to Be Alone, and Absolutely Own It. Each week, I interview an inspiring new guest about the time they spend alone and why it matters to them. Ultimately, at the heart of every episode is one central question. What turns solitude into a positive, fulfilling experience? Because when alone time isn't lonely, it's alonement. My guest this week is Mo Gaudat. I'm blessed to have a lot of brilliant guests on this show who are accomplished in so many different areas, but Mo's unique offering to the world is particularly hard to sum up in a few sentences. Anyway, I'm going to take a stab. So Mo has a background in engineering and has achieved success in the corporate world, working for the likes of IBM and Microsoft before going on to become Chief Business Officer for Google X. He's also a serial entrepreneur, co-founding several businesses and mentoring dozens of others. But outside of the corporate world, Mo's most significant impact is in using his mathematical engineering brain to pioneer a path towards happiness. He first began researching happiness from this perspective after becoming burnt out from his corporate work, but his interest in the subject gained a new intensity after the death of his son, Ali, at the age of just 21, following unexpected complications from a routine operation. His 2017 book, Solve for Happy, was written in the wake of this tragic event and described Mo's inspiring approach to life afterwards. Mo is one of the most original thinkers I've ever come across. It's no coincidence that podcaster Elizabeth Day describes him as her life guru. His process is based around innovation and testing, as you will expect from an engineer. And that makes his whole life philosophy truly innovative. 
His mathematical approach is also paired with a great sense of compassion and emotional astuteness, which you'll also see comes across in this episode. I hope you enjoy listening as much as I enjoyed recording with Mo. Thank you so much for coming on. I was so looking forward to having this chat with you. Thank you. It's been, uh, it's been in the making for a while. Quite appropriately, you've been spending the last month in Dominican Republic. And has that, has that been an alonement trip for you? <laughs> yeah, it's been what you and I will both know. I mean, writers, we need a retreat. So uh, I am working on my fourth book with a very dear friend. Uh, and we, uh, you know, she's in London. I'm here in the Dominican Republic. But when I'm in my normal life, I'm unable to to put enough focus and time on the things that I really, really want, uh, what, writing being one of them. And so I, uh, I've i been here three weeks now, and uh, it's a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful place. You don't even feel any of what's happening in the rest of the world. And at the same time, I'm mostly inside the garden, uh, mostly looking at my screen, mostly meditating, mostly reflecting, um, you know, really enjoying that opportunity that you call alonement. I love it. And how how is your time being broken up? So you said it sounds very wholesome, all this meditating, time in the garden, time on the screen. What does an average day look like for you over there? Do, do I measure? I don't. Uh, what I measure is what my average day doesn't look like. So uh, at the beginning of my trip, I still continued to do my CEO job for my startup, which basically required me to do, um, I'd probably say four to five hours a day, three to four times a week. And then by the end of the first week, I sent a message saying, guys, uh, do you really need me in August? And, uh, you know, they said, oh, no, you can, you know, disappear a little bit. And so I disappeared. And so now my day... Um, I, I wake up early, uh, earlier than, uh, than usual, so around 5, 6 a.m. And then I uh, sit silently, do nothing, uh, literally until the day calls. When the day calls, I get up and make coffee. Uh, and then I uh, meditate, I think is my very first thing to do. Uh, uh, and, you know, I meditate for longer now, so multiple sessions of 20 minutes if I could. And, uh, yeah, and then from then onwards, of course, I have to answer a few messages. I have to make sure that everything is in, you know, within control. But then the rest of the day, I'm basically uh, in front of my screen, in front of nature, listening to, uh, you know, content, reading books, uh, trying to get inspired. And most of the time I'm just writing and I love it. Yes. Uh, well, this reminds me of when we first got in contact, when I messaged you first about this podcast and you sent me the most wonderful email telling me that, you know, we actually were very aligned in this, in this exploration of alone time because you've been doing your project half monk which is effectively (laughs) yeah effectively trying to bring the sort of monk life philosophy and but do that in a in a real life way that makes an impact so could you could you tell me a bit more about that because I know you've done a series of brilliant Instagram TV videos about that but yeah it's it's failing so far I'm not failing it's not 
it's not accomplished yet, but it's definitely, definitely my, uh, I think my biggest theme of my life for the last couple of years and hopefully for the years coming. Uh, to start with, I was amazed when you got in touch because, um, you know, I'm, I'm a huge, huge fan of uh, Susan Cain and the work of Quiet. Uh, you know, Susan has really sort of championed uh, introvertism uh, in a way uh, where when I read her book, must have been in my 30s, uh, I, I discovered something about myself that I wasn't aware of at all. Nobody was aware of because I'm a businessman. I'm always out with people. I know probably tens of thousands of people by name. Like when I see them the next time, like when I see you, I will say, hey, Francesca, how has this been going? How did, what did you do about that? You know, how did you celebrate your 30th, right? I'll, I'll remember all our conversations and I know you closely and you'll feel warm dealing with me. But if you leave me alone, uh, I would probably spend the rest of my life not speaking again. I, mean, I, I know it's an exaggeration, but definitely I get my energy from alone time. And then you told me on that email about alonement, and I was like, whoa, how did I miss this? The idea of making this the most joyful time ever uh, is really brilliant. And thank you for coming on my podcast to talk about it. I know you're aware because I texted you that you're doing incredibly well. Uh, you were one of the of the top downloads for the first seven days. And then uh, and then now that we're getting into 30 days of downloads, you're still keeping up and hopefully continue to be in the, in the top downloads. So the concept is amazing, uh, I have to say, uh, but it's also highly needed in the modern world uh, because we, we tend to run, 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 right? Uh, we're, we're trained to run, 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 run. We're trained to believe that uh, life is about doing, and um, and this is the sign of the modern uh, human, the modern man, modern woman, uh, probably even more modern woman, surprisingly, uh, because the modern woman has to do everything the modern man does in the outer world, and then she has what I what uh, Alice, uh, my co-author, and I call the superwoman syndrome. You know, she has to do so many other things uh, as a woman that men, lucky for them, don't have to do. And, and so, uh, you know, very interestingly, there is so much doing in life uh, that we, start, we, we, we forget about being. And anyone who's searching for the truth uh, needs those moments of silence, needs those uh, monk-like retreats where you can spend time uh, reflecting, meditating, um, reading, learning, serving, doing things that we don't have the time to do when we're busy, 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 busy. And so uh, my mathematical brain, which really thinks of everything as an equation and a number, uh, a couple of years ago decided that, you know, we, we sort of, um, uh, we plan everything in our years. We have those New Year's resolutions. I, I have a I have what I call a New Year's intention. It's a little less uh, target-driven, if you want. And, and that, you know, we, we tell ourselves, oh, we're going to save this much or we're going to take that action or we're going to get this job or whatever, all about doing, 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 doing. I realized at uh, the beginning of 2020 that what I needed was to stop doing and that uh, what I needed was, as I called the year 2020, the year of silence and space. And so uh, how do you get silence and space? By adding monk-like practices into your life. 
And uh, can you do that when you're not, uh, when you're not a monk? Uh, sadly not, because you're still going to get those calls from your colleagues at work. You're still going to get uh, your, your uh, you know, uh, sister-in-law or uh, grandfather asking you to go to meet them. You can't really disappear from the world like a monk would do. Uh, when, when I interviewed, uh, I hosted my, one of my dear friends, Matthew Ricard, on, uh, on Slow Mo on my podcast. And I asked him, why did you become a monk? He was a, a PhD in cellular bi- biology. And he said, well, it wouldn't have been fair to the people that would expect me to meet them. I needed the time with my teachers. I needed the time alone. And if I had created the expectation that I can show up for a wife, then it would not be fair for her. So I struggled with that for a while, and I ended up in a place where I thought to myself, maybe half, maybe half a monk is good enough. And, and half here is actually the exact target. It's, 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 it's accurately calculated. I'm, I'm hoping that 12 hours of my days, three and a half days of my weeks, you know, 15 days of my month and six months of my years are in monk-like practices. Uh, you know, again, reflecting, reading, learning, um, meditating, um, writing, I consider a part of reflection and, you know, and serving, uh, doing things that are good for others, that are selfless. Uh, and most of those require me to be alone. And then the other half is what I call a modern day warrior, uh, working, calculating, uh, convincing, buying, selling, uh, all of the things that we are forced to do to 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 make the world um, move forward if you want by the way neither is more important than the other in my view but i think the absence of the first is killing many of us mm, the absence of the being and I, you mm-hmm. know i think i have learned so much from your work and thank you so much for your kind words about alonement and i think that the thing i really like that i found so interesting about the half monk concept is when we were speaking about it. I sort of went away and looked at the roots of the word monk. And they, you know, they have their roots in the Greek word monos being exactly alone. So, it, you know, it sort of, it, <laughs> it sort of makes sense why, why those Absolutely. concepts seem to resonate so well. How, how important do you think that that sense of aloneness has been to for you coming up with, because, you know, this is your term, half month, for you coming up with that concept? Well, I, I, have, I have to say, uh, I didn't think of it as a term. As a matter of fact, one of the books I'm currently working on is called Half Monk. I, I write because I, I write for me, if you want. I write to, to understand a concept fully. And, uh, and so, as I said, I mean, I'm not there yet. I'm, prob- I'm definitely, definitely doing so much better on giving myself alone time than I did two years ago. Uh, but I'm not there yet. And in the process of discovery, I'm trying to, to write what I'm learning about that idea. But, uh, the, 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 the concept here is that we, um, we as again, part of the character of the modern world is that we don't really do things. We don't really align with things unless we give them names. Okay. And, um, monkhood has been, I think, associated with some things that the modern day warrior doesn't like. You know, if you look at the, at the, um, the time when we were locked down, 
Okay. In in my explanation, as I as I talked about this, basically I was trying to 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 explain to to the world that one of the challenges we were facing is our dopamine addiction. Okay. And and the idea of uh, having to constantly find our state of calm and happiness outside us. Uh, you know, going to the pub, then pump, jumping from the pub to a party and then, you know, dancing your head off and then going to the after party. And then all of those um, um, trips and uh, and things that we bought and places that we went to uh, were just doses of dopamine. Every time you have fun or pleasure in your life, you're giving your your body, you know, gives you that reward hormone says, hey, you know, do more of that. It feels good. Yeah, do more of that. And so when we um, when we were asked to be locked down, I think what ended up happening is that for most of us, uh, we got uh, withdrawal symptoms, literally like addicts. It's like, what are you saying? I should be spending time with me? Like, how do I do that? How do I get my dopamine with me? I mean, where is the external stimulation that I need to make sure that I feel excited and elated and jumping up and down and happy? No, you're, you were not feeling happy in the first place. You were just feeling fun. I call it the state of escape, escaping your thoughts in by overstimulating your brain, if you want. Now, uh, there are, on the other hand, parts of being a monk that are amazing. I mean, everyone knows that every monk they've ever met is a kind, loving, compassionate person. Uh, you know, it's a person that serves, a person that, that seems to age better, that seems to be more enlightened, uh, you know, at least in the majority of it. And so in my thoughts, I was, I was you know, thinking if maybe if we, if we just become half monks, okay, then the modern world wouldn't shy away. I, I love everything about monkhood. I think they're amazing, 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 you know, humans in every way. But, uh, but also I love the idea of contributing to the world, you know, inventing something or recording a podcast and spreading a good message and, 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 uh, which, um, not because they're not capable of. I know so many good friends who are monks, but because their, uh, their practice requires them to spend so much time in practice, in meditation, in contemplation, and so on, uh, that they don't actually have the time to have a CEO job or a podcaster's job or whatever. So, so maybe if we say half, uh, that would be something that most of us can strive for. You know, enough time for the reflection and state of being, and enough time for the doing and the impact that you can bring to the world. Mm, mm. And you know that balance is really important because. I think I mean this when when I was coming up with alonement, I think that idea of moderation as well was quite important because I don't I never wanted it to be something that could only be accessed by you know I, I don't didn't want the idea of solitude and obviously that was the existing word for sort of being alone in this neutral or positive mm -hmm. state. I didn't want that to just be something that people associated with. I don't know, yeah, a, a poet going off and writing in the woods for weeks and weeks on end because it's just not sustainable uh, for most people. And as you say, it doesn't, you know, that, that the doing part is quite important because mm -hmm. that, you know, that that is for better or for worse how the modern day world works. We, you know, we live in big global communities and we can have impacts in that way. Yeah, uh, and, absolutely. Uh, 
Yeah. And it, but I think I th- that... I, I think the challenge, I think the challenge that we have in the modern world is mostly because we have hyper-masculinized our world. So, so doing is a property of the masculine. Huh? I mean, remember, no, not, I'm not talking man and woman. I'm not talking about your gender choice. I'm not talking about your sexuality. I'm just talking about the, the feminine and the masculine are traits that are available in every one of us, the yin and yang. Right. And, and, and the, the properties of the masculine are all associated with linear thinking, forcefulness, doing, pushing strength, uh, you know, uh, and so on. While fe- feminine qualities are normally associated with creativity, intuition, uh, um, you know, uh, communication, um, empathy, more of the being side that doesn't really you know feeling and sensing are all about being all of the awareness that we get whether it's from intuition from sensing from feeling is on the feminine side of our spectrum of attributes as humans and and i think our modern world has just hyper masculinized everything it's all about doing 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 and and in the absence of being we're doing the wrong things mostly right so Yes, of course, we're building a civilization and we now have faster and more expensive cars, but we're destroying the planet, uh, you know, in the process because we're unable to, uh, to, to, to sense the, the impact of that little plastic bottle that I threw away uh, on the entire eco- ecosystem around me. And, and uh, you know, once again, one of the differences is that the masculine is very individual. The masculine looks at oneself and, and says, yeah, this is what matters. I need to protect this unit that is me and so on and so forth. It's me and then I'm surrounded by skin and then the rest of the world is around me. While the feminine is inclusive. The feminine, you know, as a quality looks at uh, at all of us as one. All of us, not just humans, but all of us beings as one. And so, And so if we don't cultivate that side, interestingly... Uh, we're not o- only off balance as humans, uh, you know, we're off balance as a, as a society or off balance at, as a, as a planet. We're off balance as, you know, the, the rest of our lives, basically. And, and, and the, and the concept of trying to tell ourselves, let's find that balance by going back to the feminine, uh, you know, yeah, the feminine is more capable of being alone. I'm not, again, I'm not saying men and women. I'm saying, if you have the feminine in you and, you know, you have the gift of being, uh, of being able to give life, for example, which is part of the feminine, then gi- giving life requires you to also have the qualities of caring for life and nurturing life. And nurturing life and caring for life would, re- would require you to sometimes stay near, near the ones that need you, whether those are young kids or people in a hospital or whatever. And that, again, basically says that it requires you to stay alone. It requires you to be able to stay back from doing and just sit there and be. Be there for people. Be there for others. Be there for yourself. And so in, when we talk about that balance of half-monk, that balance is truly needed. It's not a, a luxury anymore. And I think this was the main reason why I started to move in that direction, is that I realized I couldn't be... Uh, I couldn't continue on my path to understanding and finding myself if I didn't empower that side of me, that side that's able to to stay back and reflect and feel uh, and and hold off doing uh, that side that is basically uh, monk-like, feminine, if you want, 
which is which is really where the world is going wrong. Mm. And it's interesting that you make that distinction between the masculine being that sort of more individualistic, selfish person, but actually you associate, it sounds like what you're saying is that, you know, feminine being able to just be and be alone. And, you know, that, that way of thinking actually is more community driven. Absolutely. I, if you don't, if you don't mind me asking, how, how often do you see people who are out there surrounded by a thousand people and alone? I mean, how, how many people does a taxi driver interact with every day and still feels alone? How many people does a boss order around every day and still feels alone and still is alone? Being alone, lonely, as you, as you differentiate in your work, hmm, is not a, a question of if you're being or if you're doing. Uh, being lonely and alone is a choice of how you be and how you do. Okay. And so, of course, when you're, when you're in your reflection, in your retreat, when you're choosing alonement over being out there, you could also choose to be with others. But others don't necessarily have to be face to face conversations and parties. They could be uh, a feeling of love for someone that you miss. Uh, they could be a text message to someone that you want to connect to. The, you know, to, it, it could be a, a connection to a flower, to a tree, to a, an insect, to nature. Hmm? And all of that is really, really the opposite of individualism. This is really the sense of community that we need. Hmm? You can do that, by the way, when you're doing as well. Uh, you need to you need to choose to do it when you're doing it when you're doing something. So you know one of the things that I believe made a massive career to my a massive difference to my career uh, was that I actually very early in my career learned the hard way, if you want, to not work for money and for myself, but rather work for others, and expected that money and myself and the benefits for myself will follow, right? And, and that really worked very well for my career in general. Believe it or not, the idea that I could actually focus on others while I, I do work. Uh, you know, most of my life I've been a business person. If I actually managed to turn the focus of my business uh, away from uh, trying to be more successful and make more money and, you know, have a bigger title to trying to serve my customers. Uh, and when I serve my customers, I would end up getting more money and getting promoted, but I also would not feel alone. I wouldn't feel that I've, I cheated anyone. I wouldn't feel that I deserve to be cheated the way I did others, right? And it's very simple when you think about it. Even when you're doing and running, uh, even when you're doing and running at 100 miles an hour, you could still be with others. And it's a choice. Easily, I would say, uh, it is a better choice when you're not... Uh, um, hyper extroverted. So, so remember, alonement, at, at least as I studied it from your point of view, uh, is not about entirely shutting down and not letting anyone in. It's also allow, about calling your mother and having time to talk to your best friend. Okay, uh, and and I, I think the big difference, if we're talking about balance is that we need moments of our lives where we're doing, 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 surrounded by thousands. We need moments when we're completely alone, okay? Meditating, reflecting, writing, whatever, okay? But most of our life should be in 
smaller communities, you know, in smaller, uh, in smaller, tighter, con- more connected, more loving, more, you know, relating groups of people. Okay, uh, you know, it's it, it it doesn't really matter if you have two hundred friends or if you have two hundred thousand followers that think you're pretty on Instagram. What matters is that you have two friends that you can trust. Okay, I I interviewed. Uh, um, someone who became one of my best friends, um, Sunil Gupta, who wrote a book called uh, Backable. And, and Sunil is a wonderful, like he's an amazing human being that you can easily back up. You know, basically he's backable as, as per his book. And, and he basically did studies in Bhutan, uh, you know, where happiness is a big thing about the people in Bhutan that are the happiest. And uh, and uh, the results were staggering. The happiest people, even in Bhutan, where the government is all about making you happy, uh, are the people that have a circle of very close friends, very close, close enough to to uh, to be there for you when you need them. Okay. Mm. And I and I asked them, and what's the indication of that? And he said, well, that they are in the circle of others. A few others consider them to be there for them when they need them okay and the only way you can do that properly is by not going for numbers not going for how many uh, but not quantity but going for quality how you know if i have only two very good friends or five very good friends that would be amazing that's it and and it just has to be very very high quality connection and they'll still give you the space when you want to be alone but they'll be there for you when you need them mm. I think it's really interesting actually to make that difference because I think often we do talk about it in a really polarized way as, you know, being alone or being with others. But actually, yeah, there's all sorts of things on that spectrum. I mean, if you are a big extrovert, I, you know, I really, I really like going to parties and meeting strangers, but that is a whole different thing to sort of sitting with, you know, a very close friend who I can be silent with or read with. Uh, when we're on holiday together, for instance, and enjoying that almost alone togetherness. And I think actually that doesn't serve as a distraction from yourself or your sort of aloneness in the same way as, you know, being at a party or or even actually being, you know, being on Instagram is like being on a big party or, you know, sitting there with <laughs> eight unread conversations on WhatsApp. It's very overstimulating. And I think that actually you can probably get a lot from, as you say, taking it back to what is the, what is the nature of the connection and what is the quality of the connection. And, you know, I also love what you were saying earlier about the idea of, I think, you know, the image of being a a lone taxi driver, but just having so many different people come into your car during the day. I think that, that, that there's that really lovely sense that actually, aloneness can actually be the opportunity to meet lots and lots of different people because you're actually if you're not sort of chronically attached to someone or to maybe a particular community or something like that then actually it can involve it can be a force for connection sort of sort of you as the as the lone I don't know as the lone lone monk maybe let's put it that way (laughs) wondering and, and, and forging all those different lovely connections so I think there's I think it's really beneficial actually to make that to sort of open that up and say like you know let's not make it so polarized as being alone being around others in this context because actually there's lots of different types of togetherness 
as well as aloneness. Totally. Totally. I mean, I mean, think of, think of the opposite side of this. Huh? Uh, I, again, like the taxi driver, I think um, baristas who make coffees for a thousand people a day are completely alone. Okay. They're dealing with a production line that gives them a cup with some scribbles on it and they have to make the exact cup and then smile and then just give it to someone. And, you know, and does smiling and giving it to someone and calling them a name, does that make them feel connected to humanity? Not at all. As a matter of fact, I think it's a very lonely job. And so what I do is I speak to every single barista that ever made me a coffee in the last five, six years. Right. I speak to them not to... Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Entertain them. I don't speak to them for them to make me a better coffee. I speak to them because, to me, this human connection. Okay, this this I saw you. Uh, do you know that moment, that feeling of I can see you, I can feel you. Like when you're with your friend and you're alone, both of you silently uh, reading or just observing the waves or whatever, and not speaking. Hmm? These are the deeper connections. As a matter of fact, our our bandwidth of communication through words at the speed I need to talk to you, uh, you know, I can I can communicate a million words by just showing someone that I really really adore them, the way I look at them. Okay, or I can try to say it in words, and that would take twenty five thirty words, and accordingly a few seconds. Okay, and some of those words will go wrong. Now, the true human connection comes from from a very different place 
then all of the noise and the, the, the engagements that, that we have um, facilitated as the way for people to network, if you want. Okay? And so that deep human connection, when I talk to the barista, is not about, uh, uh, it's about something I could see in him or her, uh, something about the way they made the coffee, something that I actually noticed that connected me to them, that I, I, I basically would want to tell them, I see you. Okay. Uh, even the simplest question of how many of those do you make a day? Okay. Uh, to them at the beginning, they raise their head and they, you know, pop out of the stream of like, I'm making coffee. I'm not talking to humans. I'm making coffee. I'm not talking to humans. And they go like, what, what is that new symptom? What is this new uh, uh, insect that's talking to me? What, what's this creature? What is he? Why is he talking to me? Okay. And I promise you every single time, I know that in my heart, it makes their day. It makes their day to suddenly feel, oh, I'm not a machine. I'm not a robot. I'm, I'm a human and there is another human that connects to me. Okay. And, and I think only when you're into alonement, do you start to actually be interested in the alonement of others. Right. And, and, and you know, you know that even when you're alone, uh, you know, uh, Rick Hansen, uh, one, a very good friend and neuroscientist, speaks of uh, the basic human needs. And, and the basic human needs beyond Maslow hmm, is that we all want to be seen, we all want to be under, understood, we all want to love and be loved. Okay? And, and people who are able to feel seen and understood, uh, loved and loving, without actually getting that from others, people who can feel that, feel enough within themselves when they're alone are so capable of giving that to others who might be in the middle of the storm, in the middle of the crowds, and yet not getting any of that at all. Not seen, not understood, not loved, and not feeling giving love. Mm. It's a massive change. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's absolutely true. And I think that it's exactly what, you know, what I'd like to sort of, you know, reference um you know this podcast to anyone who says that aloneness is narcissistic because I think that speaking to you and knowing that you do so much of this solitary work and that you know I know that you're a big coffee fan Mo so I you know I I can't think how many (laughs) days you you make on a regular basis right now um but you know I think there's that lovely thing of you know again aloneness um that sort of feminine aloneness being a force for connection and it, you know again it, it opens up why it's not why it is it, it's not individualistic it's, it's actually the opposite um I think that it actually it reminds me of something that you talk about a lot in your soul for happy book where you talk about being how many of us are actually quite scared of being alone because that means being alone with our thoughts and it really made me think quite differently actually because one of the one of the main things I took away from your book is that we are not our thoughts we think we are we think that that you know our our aloneness is is effectively being in this sort of self-hating relationship um but actually you know it's it's a total thing (laughs) it's a totally different thing altogether and you know the very the very popular means by which you do this in your book is you talk about you know the idea of a friend who renamed her brain Becky so you've done the same so you know your brain is 
your brain is Becky and your brain is this sort of annoying it's it's sort of characterized this annoying girl called Becky who you know actually actually spending time with is quite annoying when you're in your solitude oh yeah I mean look the truth is Becky my Becky is my absolute best friend so me and my brain I mean with the exception of very few times a year uh, we're completely aligned. We're completely uh, working together. But it, it starts from the idea that it's actually me and my brain. The idea that your thoughts are a third party. They're generated by a third party. And, and this is not actually very difficult to, to, uh, to understand. Uh, if, you, if, 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 you're, if, the, if the voice in your head was you talking to you, why would it need to talk in the first place? Right? If, if it was you know, talking to you, it's, it would you would know what it wants to say. It, it's talking to you. Science uh, actually, uh, Liv Vygotsky uh, was the name of the Russian Nobel Prize winner that in the early twenties, uh, I think, um, basically spoke about this idea of the internal dialogue, uh, observing that when we are thinking inside our heads, we our voice box would move ever so slightly, as if it is. Uh, as if you're talking out loud, and and this was confirmed later uh, by endless studies, MIR study, MRI studies, where I think the one I remember is from uh, MIT in 2007, where they put people in MRI machines, and uh, they give them word puzzles. So they they observe which parts of the brain are working to solve the puzzle, and you know it could take a few seconds to get the puzzle solved, and then those problem-solving areas of the brain would stop. And your verbal association area, the part of your brain that you actually use when you're speaking out loud, the part I'm using now to talk to you, starts to fire up for up to eight seconds. And then the, the participant would know the answer. So, so when the answer is found in the problem solving areas, it's actually not known by the participant yet. It's only known when the brain takes it and turns it into words and tells it to you. Okay. And, and so basically it, it, you know, the truth is your brain is literally talking to you. And, and, and most people go like, how can that work? I, I say, well, you know, your, your heart pumps blood around your body. Okay. It has a biological function. Huh? You, you, your, your blood is pumped for your survival. Your brain also has a biological function, which is to look at the concepts around it. Uh, you know, the, all of the sensory information, all of the knowledge that can, that it can acquire and turn that into concepts and communicate that to you in the form of words, because words sadly are our only building blocks uh, of knowledge. Uh, so, so, you know, it communicates it to you into words and now it's up to you to decide what you do with them. So, the, the, the difference is in the modern world, we normally say nobody wakes up in the morning and says, I pump blood, therefore I am. But somehow we glorified thinking so much in our hyper masculine world, world once again, that we started to say, I think, therefore I am. And that's the opposite of the truth. The, the, the real, the actual truth is I am, therefore my brain thinks. Okay. Now, when you see that and you create that separation, your brain becomes a third party. Okay, you know, it's actually just a, literally a three pound lump of meat, but it is a third party. Yeah? Uh, and, and that third party is capable of producing thoughts. And if you can separate, if you can say, these are not my thoughts, these are thoughts presented to me. Okay, uh, everything changes because you no longer have to obey. 
you no longer have to agree. You can actually debate. If your brain tells you, hey, Mo is, uh, is annoying, you can go like, yeah, but he said a couple of nice things. Right, uh, you can debate that concept, right? You know, and and you don't, uh, you 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 no longer even have to listen. So I very frequently would tell my brain, not now, Becky, not now. We're going to talk about this tomorrow, right? Mm. And it's as simple as that. I mean, literally, if you have a friend at school, and that friend took you in a corner every, uh, you know, seven minutes and told you horrible things about the world, horrible things about your yourself, and made you feel horrible in every possible way then left without giving you any answers, you know, would you want to be friends with that person or would you sit them down and say, Becky, seriously, if you want to be my friend, you need to say good things, you need to make me happy, you need to still say positive things, I can't keep going this way, okay? Or if you, at least if you bring up problems, bring me solutions along with it. Hmm? Now, we don't do that, we do that with others, but we don't do it with our brains. And, and if you manage to get that done, Suddenly, spending hours and hours is a wonderful conversation. I think people will think I'm a lunatic, but no, it's really, it really is a wonderful conversation. My, my brain, for example, five and a half, six years ago, uh, started to debate heavily my uh, perspective of religion. Okay. Uh, and, you know, yeah, interesting. My brain had the points of view. I had different points of view and we discussed it. Okay. And we researched it, and we asked others, and we, you know, we found, we we were working on a path. Huh? My, my brain, as a Middle Eastern man, when I was in my thirties, uh, you know, in in the Middle East, the concept of man and woman is so exaggerated, or at least it used to be when I was in my thirties. And so, yeah, I sat down and I rediscussed re that with my brain. It's like, is that how you see the world, brain? So, how about this and that? So, why do you like this? Why do you do that? Right. It's an interesting self-discovery. Huh? Uh, it's not. It's not crazy as in an institution type of uh, of crazy, but it really is quite interesting when you realize that you don't actually have to accept your thoughts. You can debate them and you can have a conversation around them. Hmm. And if you don't have to actually accept your thoughts, or at least you don't have to accept all of them, that means that you don't have to be scared of being alone with your thoughts. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. As a matter of fact, I, so I, I, I have a, an exercise that I call Meet Becky, and I do that uh, three times a week religiously, uh, which, is, uh, which is to encourage my brain. Opposite, it's not opposite of meditation, because meditation, part of meditation is to become aware of what you're aware of. Okay, but it's an advanced, more advanced meditation. But, I, I, you know, I, I, it, the, the difference is I don't try to slow my brain down at all. I don't try to focus on my breathing. I literally tell my, my Becky to go a hundred miles an hour. Give me every thought that's been on your mind. Okay. And I allow myself a notepad and a pen and a pen and I write them down and some ridiculous crap comes up. Right. But, but the idea is that the, your brain is your best ally. The only reason why it keeps making those noises in your head is because you're not listening. Okay. And if you actually listen and if you actually uh, show interest and debate the authenticity of those thoughts and agree on certain thoughts that they are important and put down actions uh, that you can behind those thoughts, your brain will never bring them up again. Okay. If, if you, if you keep getting that thought of, I should have told him this, I should have told him this, I should have told him this, I should have told him this. Okay. Okay. Sit down, discuss it with your brain. Tell your brain what are the ups and downs of telling him this and then decide if you want to tell him this, 
text him this, okay? If you don't want to tell him this, then tell your brain, but we've discussed it and we've agreed, both of us, that it's not a wise thing to tell him this. And we're done. Uh, you know, if you do that exercise, your brain will simply not bring that thought up again unless it has a new piece of information. Hey, something changed, uh, you know, would you like to tell him this now because something changed? Otherwise, you'll go back to your brain and say, no, I, I don't, we, we discussed this before, we agreed that we shouldn't, okay? And and the exercise is very simple, really. It basi- I basically tell Becky to, uh, I don't hang on to any thought, I just listen to whatever she tells me, I repeat it, Okay. And then I say, what else? So, you know, my brain will start with a simple, hey, remember you're talking to Francesca today. Uh, sure, brain will talk to Francesca today. What else? Uh, remember to get your batteries uh, charged for your for your voice recorder. Okay, okay, good idea, brain. Batteries charged. What else? Right? And, 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 and you go through those things and your brain starts to slow down because suddenly it goes like, oh my God, he's listening or she's listening. Like, what, what, what am I doing here? I need to say something smart. So it literally slows down. It comes up with smarter ideas. And then eventually it runs out of ideas. So it starts to repeat itself. And rule number two is very straightforward. No thought is to be repeated. Okay. So after, after um, normally 10, 12 minutes for me, um, my brain goes like, yeah, and remember to get batteries for the recording. And I go like, but you said that before. What else? Okay. And it goes like, ah, um, that's it really, nothing more to say. And I, and I end up with in, in total silence, total heavenly silence where your brain, you're not, uh, um, you're not uh, struggling with your brain. You're not trying to strap it down by focusing on your breath or other, other you know, forms of, uh, of meditation. Your brain is like, I have nothing to say. I'm, I'm just completely chill, right? You don't even have to, to exert effort to silence me. It's total heaven. Okay, and and of course the byproduct of it is a huge laugh when you when you read what you wrote, the notes that you took afterwards about how ridiculous some of those thoughts are. Okay, and when you see them with your eyes, you can correct them. You can just remove them. You can tell your brain that's funny, right? And some most of the time, your brain you don't even need to argue. It's like, yeah, it actually is funny. I'm so sorry I came up with that thought. I'm not going to do that again. <laughs> yeah, it's um, it's so. And, you know, again, I think I alluded to this earlier. I love how you really make your own rules. I think there are so many things we're told that we should be doing um, and, you know, that become trendy, such as journaling. And what you're describing is sort of a, it's sort of a hybrid journaling and not quite meditating, meditating, because meditating can often be about emptying the mind, but it's, it's almost, it is, it is like a whole different thing in itself of your own invention. Uh, yeah, um, it's not in, uh, look, I mean, uh, I, I do what works for me. I mean, I, I like journaling. I'm not against it. Okay. But I will say openly that, uh, neuroplasticity works either way. Right. So if you, jo- if you keep journaling bad stuff, you're just strengthening the networks in your brain, uh, that are basically focused on what's wrong. And when you read them again, you relive them. And that reminds you that life is wrong. I, I'd rather journal, have a gratitude journal, right? Uh, you know, a gratitude journal basically allows you to think of what's right. And there is so much right in life. Hmm? If we, if we stop, if we stop for a minute and just change our perspective, hmm? there's so much right. Uh, yeah, there are a few things wrong, but I mean, it's life after all. It's not a, 
it's not heaven if you think about it and it has to have a few glitches huh? and so yeah if you if your journal is is your is your repository of all of the negativity that ever came up of you in your life that's a very bad idea i dated a wonderful woman once who uh, kept every journal she ever uh, wrote since she was uh, 7 or 12 or something like that okay and she would show me stories of all of the things that she uh, suffered from, the way her dad treated her or whatever. And basically, you could see them repeat, repeating over the years. They keep coming and coming and coming and coming because of neuroplasticity. It's what you, what you train your brain to do, you do more of. Okay? And yeah, and, and of course, they, those things become mountains instead of, of little blips that happened in the past because we keep dwelling on them. So no, I don't journal that way at all. I journal useful information and joyful information. That's it. I think that's really fascinating. I'm personally a fan of journaling because I think it does, for me, it stops that rumination. I almost have that same rule that you have with sitting with Becky, that the same thoughts. I might write down the same thing twice, but it, it gets very long-winded. So by the time I've done it a third time, it, uh, <laughs> yeah, it just needs <laughs> almost, it's almost the physical act of writing gets it out of my system. But I think that concept of neuroplasticity is, is fascinating. And I think that there is, I know that there's research both ways for why journaling can sometimes be positive and sometimes be negative. So I'm, I'm all for it. I think, I think the way you write is what matters. Okay. Even if you want to say, I had a difficult conversation with my friend today. Okay. Uh, if you, if you journal that in a different way than complaining, but rather stating the facts, stating the obvious, stating what you may be missing and thinking of solutions. Okay. That form of journaling is training your brain to address the problem. Okay. If you, if you journal it as, uh, I'm upset because Jackie said this and that, she must mean this and this, it's because she wants to, to, to do that and this, and then the next morning you wake up and you write again, I'm still upset because Jackie that and this, could it be that she did this and that, and, and so on, you're, you're training your brain to do more of this, okay? I, I, I think it's the type of thought that matters. The type, I, I have, I have a very clear deal with Becky. Okay. <laughs> and, and, and I swear it's signed and sealed. This is why I totally enjoy the company of Becky. Huh? I am, I allow Becky two thoughts, two types of thoughts only, either a, a, a joyful thought or a useful thought. Hmm. Okay. Nothing else is allowed. Okay. And every negative thought, needs to be turned into either a joyful thought or a useful thought. Let me give you a very s- simple example. Uh, I lost Ali, as you know, my, my wonderful son, and, and the reason I wrote uh, my book. And uh, we, we lost him to a very simple um, surgical operation, m- malpractice, if you want. The surgeon did a few mistakes in a row, and, and we lost him around seven years ago. And still hurts like mad seven years later. Huh? But when, you, when, when I... Um, when Ali left our world, the, the big, big thought that took me over was a thought of ego, as I call it, which is my role as a parent was to protect him. That's my ego. My persona is a parent. I should protect my children. I failed to protect him. Okay. And that thought was repeating in my head over and over in the form of you should have driven him to another hospital. 
should have driven him to another hospital. He should have driven him to another hospital. And if, and if I if I had journaled at the time, I would have journaled why didn't I drive him to another hospital? This hospital was here. That was I could write about this for hours. Okay, um, that thought is useless. Okay, because I cannot go back in time and drive him to another hospital. It's totally useless. The only outcome of that thought is it's going to make me miserable, right? And so. I, again, because I know it's Becky and me, I don't blame Becky for coming up with those thoughts. I simply explained to Becky. I said, Becky, this is useless. Okay? I wish I could drive him to another hospital. I cannot go back in time and do this now. Can you please bring me a thought I can do something about? Okay? And Ali was my happiness teacher. Ali was really, really the one that taught me the heart side of happiness. I'm, I'm the engineer, if you want. Okay? And so four days later, after a conversation I had with his sister that really enlightened me to something important, I ended up deciding, okay, maybe I should write down what he taught me. I should publish it in a book. I should spread it with the world. And if I could get to 10 million people through the internet and through seven degree, six degrees of separation 70 years later, his message will be everywhere. Okay, So his essence will remain. That was my dream. Okay, So my brain basically came up and said, okay, why don't we write down his model? And, and publish a book and do that. Amazing. Yeah, very useful thought. Okay? It's the same, same thing. Hmm? Ali left our world, but rather than triggering a useless thought, it's triggering a useful thought. The same happens even today. Hmm? So I, until today, uh, last night before I went to bed, my brain just took, you know, to make sure that I got it, said, oh my God, can you believe Ali died? Yes, brain, we know that Ali died, right? I mean, you've been telling me for seven years and it hurts like hell, but, you know, it's the truth. So my brain has every right to bring up that thought. Yes, brain, Ali died. But I learned when my brain tells me this, I answer in a very simple way. I say, I say yes, brain, Ali died, but he also lived. Okay? And, and Ali lived is a very joyful thought when you really think about it, huh? Ali died brings me back to the time when he was in intensive care, when, you know, we do, couldn't do anything to save him, the pain that he had to go through before he died, all of that, the, the, the missing him and so on. Hmm? And Ali lived reminds me of all of the video games played, we played together, all of the music we listened to, to together, the, the amazing memories, amazing experiences, all of the things that he taught me. It's the same, it's the other side of the same coin. Hmm? But it's a joyful thought. And by the way, it reminds me of the truth. And, and the truth, Francesca, is that I never earned the right to get him in the first place. I was making love to my wonderful wife, who was my college sweetheart. It, that in itself was a gift in itself. I never planned to get Ali. And look at what life gave me. Okay, For no planning, no accountability on my side. Hmm? And 21 and a half years of bliss... And still my brain allows itself to say Ali died. No, 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 no. The right thought is Ali came. And I never expected to be so blessed. And he came. And so I allow my brain only those two types. My brain gives me a useful thought or a joyful thought or it shuts up. Shut up. A, a painful thought that doesn't make things any better. Why are you doing this to me? Like, what's going to come out of this for you and me, Brain? Mo, thank you for sharing that. I think that that's also so inspiring for those who've gone through the terrible pain that you have. When you talk in your book about the difference between pain and suffering, you know, I'm sure the pain of losing Ali is something that, as you say, even last night you felt before you went to bed, that doesn't go away. 
but it's the suffering that if I understand from your book correctly, you were talking about the suffering is different. And you use the analogy in your book of a, of, you know, if you're having a, an operation on your teeth, you know, a root canal, and you can either <laughs> say, you can either think, okay, I'm going to have the root canal, you know, you can either be given the option of having the, the root canal or the root canal, and then a number of successive feelings of it after and afterwards. And it's the, you know, it's the latter part that you have the choice over. And Absolutely. I think, yeah, and I think what's, you know, in, when you're talking, and you, you're saying about the idea of, um, of gratitude or gratitude journaling, and why that would be a more beneficial mode of journaling I think it's similar what you're doing with Ali because it's almost the suffering his death would almost be it, it would almost be keeping that going whereas what you're keeping going is the element of his life and all the wonderful things that you know he's mentioned a lot in the book as well and so the happy and you know every every you know inspiring thought that he had and you know of course the his whole well view is what you're doing through your spreading happiness to those 10 million people in the world you, you are you're spot on spot on the idea is every time you think a joyful thought hmm, this thought becomes stronger and the negative thought becomes weaker this is the the, the nature of our neurobiology okay every time so so more and more i am keeping the memory of the beautiful time i spent with Adi alive Hmm? rather than keeping the memory of his death alive. And it's all a choice. It's all a choice. It's all the choice of what it is that we keep alive, that we give energy to, that we strengthen. Hmm? It's like going to the gym. You can go to the gym and choose to lift weights all the time, and you look like a triangle. Okay, You can, <laughs> you can, choose, you, you can choose to squat all the time, and you look like a pair. It's a choice. Okay? The gym is out there for you. It's about what you choose to exercise. And, you know, what do we choose to exercise? We're choosing to, to exercise swiping on social media. We're choosing to exercise following the BBC and all of the negativity or Channel 4 and all of the negativity. You know, why do we do that? Why do we do that? When, when in reality, we can keep the good part of life alive. Mm. Completely. And I think that that's perhaps when we do fear being alone I think I came across some interesting research a little while ago where it, it was just it was an Israeli study from last year where they found that actually when we're with other people we find it easier to sort of be aware and in the present moment but when we're by ourselves our brains more naturally reflect on the past and the future and I think the the methods that you are describing and that you know that very sort of original take on how to be aware and with yourself and to reframe your brain to think the more positive constructive thoughts when you're alone that actually gives you a toolkit to finding awareness and presence in the alone moment and also it, I feel like for me it sort of offers quite a useful toolkit for alonement yeah there. yeah I mean I my, my alone days uh, have a things to do list okay they're they're not just sitting there waiting for the day to finish I I have Things that I'm keen to learn, things that I'm keen to think about, things that I'm keen to, to, to communicate to people that I miss. These are, there is a things to do list. Hmm? There, if, of course, if you're sitting, um, uh, you know, aimless 
in your day and alone, you're probably going to end up wandering in every possible direction. But, but it shouldn't be that way. Your alonement time should be productive time, should be productive in a different way. It doesn't produce something that you can give to your boss. Uh, it's, it produces something that you can give to yourself. Mm. Mm. No, I'm aware we've gone a little bit over time. I could honestly speak to you forever. Um, but, you know, just as a final question, what is your ideal alonement? My dream alonement is to be able to put it all together, to be able to put my uh, reflection time, my feminine side and my spirituality in one prayer, if you want, okay, Uh, which I have to say is still not my cup of tea. No, no, I mean, it's not easy for me. Uh, It's, uh, they come from different places. I think the way I have learned to express my spirituality through my religious path uh, is not the same way I have learned to express my reflection and meditation time. It's not the same way I have learned to be in flow with the feminine. Okay? And if I can fit, if I can get those three together, I think I will have moments of, of insight that I may have not ever enjoyed before. Uh, Sadly, as I describe it to you now, it's my left brain describing it. It's my masculine brain describing it. So, uh, so there is no clear path for me from where I am now other than to keep practicing each of the three, to keep strengthening each of the three until they become second nature to me. And then hopefully they'll be the way I do things when I'm alone all the time. Uh, so maybe we talk again in a year and, and I tell you how it's going. <laughs> <laughs> maybe an update. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Mo, thank so. you so much. This conversation has been so inspiring. Thank you so much for having me and for what you do. I think you're sending a very, very important message that a lot of people want to hear. So keep doing it. It's an amazing piece of work. Thank you. Thank you so much. Hey, guys, I really hope you're enjoying the show. While this particular episode may have come to an end, the conversation is just beginning. Head over to alonement.com to hear more about Alonement and sign up to our free monthly newsletter. You can also follow us on Instagram at alonementofficial. Oh, and remember that sharing is caring. So if you got something from this episode, why not share with a friend who you think might benefit from listening? A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.